0: Chapter 9, as I am wont to do, after the bulletin is printed, I've decided I'd like to read a few more verses. So we're going to start in verse 1 and go through 19. But before I read that passage, let's go to God in prayer. O God of light, by the power of your Holy Spirit, restore our sight, that in these words of scripture and sermon, we may see Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Listen now for a word from the Lord found in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked who are you, Lord? The reply came I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So over this past school year, seven of our eighth grade students have gathered week after week to engage in a process of discernment, learning more about God and the church studying the Gospels, memorizing Scripture, engaging in service projects together, and worshiping with other congregations to gain a broader understanding of how God's people worship. We in this church call the process confirmation because at the end of it, this week in fact, those students get to decide if they choose to confirm the faith that has been shared with them over the years. They get to choose to make a profession of faith this day and join the church. As a final step in this process, they met with our session on Tuesday evening to be examined and share their faith statements. While this can sound rather intimidating, it can be a really holy experience. It's one of my favorite things that we do in the church because we get to hear Honest expressions of who God is to them, of what they understand Christ to have done for them, of how they sense the Spirit to be at work both within them and in the world, and for us as leaders within the church to hear the hopes they have for Christ's body. I have to tell you that these young people are faithful and honest. They demonstrate the power of God at work within our communal lives and represent what the best of our church is. They're not just an image of the bright future of our church, but they are already faithful symbols of our present. And I'm grateful that this morning we get to welcome them. While I sat listening to those statements of faith, I was struck by a question that I heard asked several times by the students. It sounded something like this. I believe that God speaks to us, but how do I know when it's God or when it's my own voice? That's not just a question our comp has, is it? If we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us would admit that we share this same sentiment. We struggle because we don't hear God audibly, like that deeply voiced narrator in the movie of our lives, and so we have to discern if the leading of the Spirit in our hearts and minds is God's work or perhaps the selfish result of our own desires. Our scripture lesson this morning engages with God's voice in a way that helps us to faithfully discern how God is speaking, just like our confirmands have been working to do over the past year. You see, Saul has been sent to Damascus for the expressed purpose of persecuting the followers of Jesus. He made a name for himself, He's approved the stoning of Stephen, and he's been spewing threats towards the followers of Christ. But Saul doesn't quite make it to his destination before he sees a light from heaven. While he's still struggling to understand what happens, he hears a voice calling to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul responds much in the way I imagined you and I might. Um, Who are you? Now, context clues probably should have alerted Saul to whose voice it was, but he's understandably a bit dumbfounded in that moment. To Saul's benefit, however, he gets a very clear response. I am Jesus. But as we know, it's hardly ever that clear for us. So what do we do when we don't receive that crystal clear response? I think a good place for us to look is to those around us for confirmation. Ananias knew God's voice. We have a few clues that tell us that Ananias was a disciple letting us know that he should recognize the voice of God. Second, when God calls to Ananias in verse 10, he doesn't say, who are you, as Saul did. He doesn't question, is this God's voice or a stranger's voice or maybe just my voice going on in my head? He replies as the faithful do throughout Scripture. Here I am, Lord. This is the one God placed in Saul's path. Ananias' response is in stark contrast to that of Saul. However, as the one persecuting Christians, we expect Saul to be the example we are not to follow. But it's actually Ananias who doesn't get it quite right. He is afraid of how Saul will receive him. Ananias recognizes it's God's voice, but he still questions what he's being asked to do. One of the things I love about this passage is that both Saul and Ananias help to confirm for the other that it really was God at work in their respective lives. During the three days that Saul goes without food, drink, and physical sight in Damascus, he has a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying on hands so that he might see again. It's easy for us to imagine that Saul might doubt this vision. How is someone he'd never met supposed to find him in the midst of a city full of people and help him regain his sight. At the same time, Ananias is working up the courage to respond to the vision he's had. He finally does and finds Judas's house in Damascus and goes in, and I'm sure his heart and mind are racing. Um, what if this isn't the right Judas? Or what if this is some sort of trap? to catch me and take me back to Jerusalem? Or will this even really work? Am I just going crazy hearing things in my head? When he walks through the door and lays his hands on Saul, telling him who sent him and for what cause, both Saul and Ananias must have been a little amazed. Saul, that his vision was for real, and Ananias that he really had heard the Lord correctly and that one of the fiercest persecutors of the way could have a change of heart. And in that moment, both of them received confirmation that indeed they had heard God's voice. God works through a hesitant disciple and a zealous persecutor And they both needed the other in order to faithfully follow where God was leading. Today's scripture reminds me of a couple of points that are important for those of us who have been disciples for decades and for those who are professing their faith here this morning. First, we don't have to be perfect models of holiness for God to call us. Both Saul and Ananias had shortcomings, and God still called each of them. Friends, the scripture is true. There is nothing we can do that can separate us from the love of God. Not doubt or blind faith. God calls to each of us. Secondly, God is at work around and ahead of us in ways we may not fully understand. Certainly, Ananias did not understand what God was doing or why God would be at work in Saul who persecuted the disciples of Jesus. But he responded to God's call. And as he did, Ananias began to see God at work in Saul and in his own life, because he responded by yes. In this life of faith, God calls, and we are expected to respond. Finally, we aren't to do this journey alone. Saul was around, surrounded by people even in the midst of his blindness, Ananias was sent to Saul, and together they heard God's voice more clearly because of the other. In the gift of touch, Ananias was able to embody his faith, and Saul was able to receive the healing he needed. Confirmands, this morning, as you join the church, your mentors and members of session will be invited to come forward and to lay hands on you may their touch be a reminder for you that you do not walk this journey alone. Wherever you are called to go, God will always provide help along the way from friends, from family, from your church family, and most especially from the Lord God. And so, as you profess your faith this morning, I celebrate that you know God is calling. When you experience uncertainty, my prayer is that you will surround yourself with those who know God's voice just like me. And when you doubt, when you're unsure, help us discern God's voice in our own lives through participation in small groups through the power of prayer through the shared reading of scripture alongside these friends we can know the voice of God in our own lives and respond to God's call saying here I am Lord may it be so in your life and mine. Amen.